but we need to sign the card and give him back a portion of what he's given to us. And when we do that, we are saying to him, Lord, we love you. Last Sunday, we looked from 2 Corinthians chapter 9 on the joy of giving. Today, we're going to look at the joy of the tithe from Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. How do we sign that card over to him of saying, Lord, we love you, recognizing that you own everything, and we want to give a portion back to you. Malachi chapter 3, beginning with verse 8, if you'll turn in your Bibles with me there. Malachi served as a prophet of God around 450 B.C., At that time in the life of the history of Israel, the temple was functional, but worship had become very superficial. Malachi is the last of the Old Testament prophets, and he served at a time when God seemed to be silent and not really saying and doing a lot. The people were in the process of losing their faith, and Israel was in a state of decline. The tithes were being neglected. The book of Malachi uses what we call a dialectic style, and that is that there is an assertion made by God to his people, and then they question him back about that assertion. And then he responds to them and gives them a response proving the statement that he has made. The Lord in the book of Malachi and in the passage we're going to look at today is begging his people to return to him. And they ask the question, how can we return to you? And God says, you can return to me by taking specific actions. Not just talk, but I want you to take specific actions. That's how you will demonstrate that you are returning to me. And then God says, I will make a promise to you. If you return to me, I will bless you. And he outlines the nature of that blessing. Malachi chapter 3, and we're going to begin with verse 8. Begins with one of those assertions. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and offerings or contributions. You are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. And I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. My sermon outline is contained in your bulletin. And if you would, please follow along. The joy of tithing begins by facing a hard truth, and it is a truth that God confronted his people with through the prophet Malachi. God says to his people, you need to return to me. And they say, well, how can we return to you? And they say, he says, well, you're robbing me. And they're like, well, how in the world can we be robbing you? And the word that's used for rob here is a Hebrew word that means 
to say one thing and to do another. It is to defraud somebody. So I say one thing to God, but then I do another. And he's saying, you're robbing me. And the way that you're robbing me is you're saying to me, I love you, Lord, and I want to serve you, and I want to follow you, and I belong to you, and we are your people. But then he says, you turn right around and you take your money off the table and say, God, you can have this, that, and the other in my life, but you can't have that part of my life. That's off. And he says, in that sense, you are robbing me. It is the idea of taking forcefully from someone. And the verb tense here is continuous. What he's basically saying is, you're not just doing this once. This has become characteristic of your life. This is how you're living. This is how you're making decisions in regards to what I placed into your life, into your hands. You see, he's saying, our giving is a spiritual cardiogram of where our heart is. Jesus said, where your treasure is... There will be your heart also. And how do you and I rob God? Well, first of all, tithing is an aspect and an expression of worship. And it is an act of worship that is exclusively for Him. I know that so often we define worship services like we're having this morning uh, term, a lot of times exclusively in terms of the music. But worship is not related to song exclusively, nor is it related exclusively to, to music. Rather, the idea of worship is that when we worship Him, we are standing in His presence and everything that we do is an act of worship. And so when we give, that is an act of worship. In fact, that may be one of the greatest acts of worship because when we give, what we're doing is we are giving up something in order to worship Him. And so the Bible says that God is a jealous God and that He does not share His worship with anything else. And so first of all, we rob God when we don't give, when we don't tithe by Lacking worship. Second, we are robbing him of the opportunity to bless us. God wants to bless us. And God wants to bless us beyond what we would ever think and imagine that he wants to bless us. But when you and I hold back on God, he cannot bless us to the place that he wants to. Because faith releases the blessing. Now he says in verse 8, you are robbing God, the Hebrew name for God that's used there is the Hebrew name Elohim. It means strong one of majesty. Why did he specifically use that name to refer to himself? You are robbing Elohim. You are robbing the strong one, the one of majesty and power. I think he's applying several ideas. Number one, I'm your king and you're robbing the king by now allowing me to rule in your life. But it is also the idea that he is the one who created you. It's the name of God that's used in Genesis chapter 1 of God creating the world. And he's saying that when you give, you are recognizing that I created everything. And it is an acknowledgement of my total creation of everything that you have in your life. Just as in that clip we just saw about the boy getting the apples, all of those apples were owned by the dad. He wasn't giving the dad anything that the dad didn't already own. But it was an acknowledgement in his giving of, Dad, I love you, and you're important to me, and you're a priority to me. And our giving is not saying that we're giving to God something that he doesn't already own, because he owns everything. 
He created everything. But our giving is our way of saying to Him, Lord, I acknowledge that you created everything. I am not a self-made person. I'm a God-made person. Everything in my life, Lord, you made, you created. And my giving, my tithing is a way of saying and acknowledging that to you. Now, he uses in verse 8 the terms tithes and offerings or tithes and contributions, depending on what translation you have. Back in the book of Genesis, Abraham is said to have given a tenth or tithe of all that he had to Melchizedek the priest. In that day and age, the vast majority of people were farmers. And the way they gave is they did not have currency like we have today. The way they gave in those days was grain offerings. And so what the farmers would do is they would go out and at harvest time, they would look at what they had in their crops. And they they would take a tenth of that and they would go to the temple. And the temple was so built with great big huge storehouses that were all around it. And these offerings of grain were taken into the temple and placed in these storehouses. And they were placed in the storehouses for two reasons. One was to support the priests so that the priests would have food to eat so that they could stay at the temple and carry out the functions of the temple. Second, they were used to help the poor. So if folks came to the temple and they were in poverty, they were able to give them some grain to feed their animals or to feed them. Every three years, there was a festival that was held, and the purpose of this festival was to minister and to take care of the needs of the community, particularly to the poor. They would help specifically the widows, the fatherless, and people who were sojourners. In other words, they didn't have a home. And so what he's saying here is bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse, so the storehouse will be full to take care of the priest and to take care of the needs of people who were in need. Now, notice what he says in verse 9. He says, because you're not bringing the tithes and contributions or offerings into the storehouse, he says, all of you are under a curse. The word curse there means to be hemmed in with obstacles. In other words, he's saying, because you're not honoring God in your giving, God is hemming you in with obstacles and problems. You're looking around your life and you can't understand why you've got so many obstacles, why you just cannot seem to move forward. And the reason for that, he's saying, is because God is basically cursing the fact that you're being disobedient to Him with these obstacles. And the stuff is not causing you to prosper. In other words, everything that you're holding back from God, that God's asking you to give to Him... The holding back is not causing you to prosper, plus you're not knowing the blessing of God. Now, notice his instructions beginning in verse 10. The joy comes as we encounter God at the place of giving. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30 says, the tithe is holy to the Lord. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. In other words, Make it a priority to worship and to honor the Lord in this way. And then notice what he says in verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. And then God makes an interesting request to them. Put me to the test. The test there, the word test was used of metals in those days. To find out the strength of them, the purity of them. The power of those metals. How genuine they were. 
And what the Lord is saying here is, I want you to honor me in your giving. I want you to honor me in the tithe. And when you do that, you're putting me to the test. You're going to find out how pure I am, how powerful I am, how strong I am, how genuine I am. In other words, God is saying, I'm going to see your giving and I'm going to honor your giving. You can put me to the test. In fact, I'm asking you, I'm inviting you, I am calling you, I'm almost begging you to put me to the test so that I can show you my strength, I can show you my power, I can demonstrate my integrity to you. This is a call to faith. But what triggers God's action is the giving. I don't sit back and say, God, if you'll give to me first so that I know what everything is, how everything is going to turn out. If I give you the offering, if I give you the tithe, Lord, I already know that I'm going to be okay. He's saying you've got to step out in faith. And when you step out in faith and you honor me in faith, then what I'm going to do then is that you're testing me, you're proving me, you're examining me. And I want you to do that. And I love when you do that. Because when you do that, I am going to respond to you. And you're going to see my power. You're going to see my glory demonstrated in your life if you will step out and do that. He goes on to sort of nail it down even more. He says, put me to the test. And notice how he refers to himself as the Lord God of hosts. The word Lord there, capital L-O-R-D, is the Hebrew name for God, which means God of the covenant. In other words, God is saying, I keep my word. I just told you that if you honor me in your giving, put me to the test, I'll come through. I'm giving you my name, my name that means that I'm the God who keeps his promises, who keeps his word, so you can mark it down, that I will see it and I will respond. I'm putting, God says, my integrity on the line in this. He says, the Lord God of hosts. The word host there means to amass an army. It's actually got two ideas compounded in it. The first is to amass an army. The Lord God and his army. What is God saying? God's saying, if you honor me in your giving, I will look at every need that comes against your life. And if it need be, I will amass my army to come against your need. I will slay whatever's coming after you. And if I have to call my armies into battle, then I will do that in order to see that the need is taken care of. The second idea of host there, the root word spoke of a nursing mother who nourishes and supplies and satisfies her small child. And the Lord is saying here that I will nourish your life and supply your life and satisfy your life. Notice he says in verse 11 that I will pour out a blessing. Again, this is an agrarian culture. They needed rain for their crops to grow. And he says, I will pour out whatever you need to make sure that the blessing is there. The word blessing, as it's translated there, carries several ideas with it. It means to go the distance. Walking, running, and not limping. See, what he's saying here is if you honor me and you give him, I'm going to pour out a blessing on your life. And what's the blessing going to be that I'm going to pour out upon your life? You're not going to go limping, he says. You're going to walk 
and you're going to run with me. Now, what God is calling us to in this is a step of faith. But it is a step of faith that God is saying, I want to bless your life beyond your imagination. I want to bless it creatively. And above all else, I want to bless you miraculously. God is saying, I want to take you and I want you to begin to live and to walk and to operate in the miraculous. So that you look around in your life and you're saying, God did that. And it can't be explained apart from God. God did that. And it can't be explained apart from God. The Lord showed up here. The Lord showed up there. Wouldn't have gotten through if God had not done that. God did that. You see, so often we hold back on the Lord because we are fearful that God won't come through. And God won't bless. And so we go through our lives where we can talk about, I did this and I did that and I did the other. And I can explain this and I can, I can explain that. But God says, I want to get you to the place that you can say, God did this and God did that. And it can't be explained apart from God. I can see a miracle over here and a miracle over here. It can't be explained apart from the miraculous intervention of God. God is calling us. He is inviting us to walk in the miraculous. Folks, do you realize what the Lord is calling us to and inviting us to? He's saying, listen, if you'll be obedient to me, you can walk in the miraculous work of God. We are the ones who back away in lack of faith, and then we just walk in what we can do and what we can produce. He's saying to his people here, to us, I want you to walk in a demonstration, live in a demonstration of what I do, what I can do. And you stand and you say, God bless, God got me through, God did this and God did that. And I have seen that. And you see, a miracle is anything that cannot be explained in any other way than we say God did it. The Lord did it. God's power, His presence, His goodness is demonstrative in this. Now notice what he also says, verse 11. He says, I'm going to rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. All the mess that can come in and destroy you and eat away at you, he's saying, I will rebuke that so that it does not have that kind of power in your life. Now, that lays the foundation, biblically speaking, for honoring God with a tithe our offerings. Why bother to do it? Second page of your sermon outline. Why bother to honor him with the tithe? Number one, we need the habit and the discipline of it in our lives. First Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2, the New Testament principle on giving. Paul writing to the church at Corinth says, I want you to lay aside every week as God has blessed you or has prospered you. If you get in a car and drive in a car and you are sober, you're going to know where you're going and you're going to get there at the right speed. Now, if you get behind the wheel, which I hope none of you do, and you are drunk, you're going to be flying down the road at the whelm of whatever happens to go through your mind next. You're not really sure where you're going, not sure when you're going to get there, and the speed can be slow, the speed can be fast, etc., etc., when my giving and when my Christian walk does not have discipline to it, it's like trying to drive intoxicated. We start, we stop. We go, we slow down, we speed up. We don't really know where we're going. We have no clue when we're going to get there. There's no discipline. We're just sort of going down the road, flying all over the place. That's the reason we don't get very far with the Lord. 
But when there is discipline, we know where we're going with Jesus. We know he's with us. We're going at a speed at which he is dictating. And we get there to where he wants us. And so we develop that habit, that discipline, just like we need it in every part of our lives in our walk with him. Second, it develops a discipline in all of our lives and every part of our lives that we need across the board. Not only in our giving to the Lord, but tithing helps us to develop discipline in the area of saving, of controlling, of spending, and debt. In other words, it is the gateway to the Lord's instructions contained specifically in the book of Proverbs as to how we handle finances across the rest of our lives. I need to tithe, but I also need to save. I need to control spending. And why do I need to control spending? So to make sure I've got something. But to also say that what I want to get is not going to satisfy me. Only Jesus ultimately and finally satisfies me. Controls debt. The Bible says that the borrower is servant to the lender. The borrower becomes the servant to the lender. Third, it sets priorities. It destroys the idols of selfishness in my life. And it means that Jesus becomes first across the board. And finally, it lays the foundation for the teaching of New Testament giving. Now, Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2, Let each of you lay aside as God has prospered him. Let each of you, the first day of the week, which is Sunday, lay aside as God has prospered him. In other words, look through your life and take an inventory of how God has blessed and then give. Now, there's one big struggle we have with that in our culture, and that is that all of us are conditioned to think we haven't been blessed at all. Because if you turn on the television today or even you get on your iPhone and those commercials are popping up on there all of that is done to convince us that we cannot be happy and cannot be satisfied if we don't get what they're advertising or they're pushing so it's hard for me to think that I'm blessed when I'm focusing on what I don't have you follow me on that I don't have this I don't have that I don't have the other so I can't be blessed so how can I say that I'm going to give as God has blessed me if I don't really don't think God's blessing me very much because I'm so convinced of everything I don't have And so what I've got to get back to is how is God blessing me? Looking at how God has blessed me. And we begin that at the foot of the cross. Jesus gave it all for us. And then we respond to him. Let me illustrate what I'm trying to talk about in this way. Suppose you had a severe heart disease. And your heart is not going to make it. And the doctor has told you that. And you need a heart transplant if you're going to hope to make it. And your next door neighbor has a son who loses his life in an automobile accident. And when they get the young man to the hospital, they say, We will give the heart of our son to you, my next door neighbor, so that you can live. And so they take the heart out of that young man... And replace your diseased heart with his heart. And you got a new lease on life. 
And then your neighbor says to you, we do that because we love you and we care about you. But if you could come over here once a week and help me out, I sure would appreciate it around the house. How would we respond to that? Hopefully we'd say, man, I'd be more than glad that you just gave me a new lease on life. And you see, when Jesus died on the cross, God gave the heart of his son for us. To come into us and replace our heart of sin, guilt, shame, the whole bit. And now he just asks us, would you honor me with tithing and offering? As a way of saying, Lord, I appreciate and I worship you for all that you gave for me. You'll notice in the insert in your bulletin today that there is a giving commitment listed there. This is for you to take home, pray over, and just get along with God. I will give regularly. I will step out in faith and begin to tithe because I haven't been. But Lord, I'm willing to step out and trust you in that area of my life. Or I will continue to tithe. And skills and abilities that God has placed in my life, Lord, I'm willing to use those to serve you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we just want to ask that you would help us just to honor you, God, as you call us to. Thank you that Jesus gave everything for us. And we just give, Lord, back a small portion to you to honor you for what, Lord, you've already poured into our lives. And, Lord, thank you that you said that when we do that, that you see you honor and you will bless. And, Lord, you are yearning to pour out a blessing in our lives so great. So, Father, we look unto you in that regard. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus and said to him, I want to follow you, I want to serve you, I want to belong to you, Jesus, I want to walk with you, Jesus, then I want to invite you today as we sing in just a moment to walk the aisle of this church and say, Pastor, today I want to Follow him. I want to know Jesus. I want to serve Jesus. I want to belong to Jesus. And I'm coming today to indicate that. Every person Jesus called, he called publicly. And he said something just very simple to him. Follow me. Follow me. And that's the decision we have to make. If you're here and you sense the Spirit of God is speaking to your life and your heart and saying, I want you to be part of this church family and I want you to serve the Lord here among these folks and we invite you to come and join here with us. The Lord has been speaking to you about baptism. We invite you to come. We'd love to share that experience with you. If you want to just come and kneel around the front and pray here, feel free. Father, in these moments now, help us to respond to you with whatever you are saying to us. In your name we pray. Amen.